Hello and welcome to the Canon Rinse Podcast, Volume 11, Issue 502, in which we are discussing the TT Games Lego series, uh, the ever-growing and ever-increasing number of games. It is, uh, is, I'm going to guess, the most games that we've ever covered on the Canon Rinse Podcast before. I'm confident about that, but probably also the highest number of games that we're ever again going to cover on the Canon Rinse Podcast. So, uh... <laughs> Strap in, we've got a long, long series of games to get through today. Almost 20 years worth of games to get through at this point. And um, let's let's see how it goes. S- safe to say it could have been almost an entire volume of uh, Kenyan Rinse. <laughs> if, if we broke them out individually, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a spin-off show? There you go. <laughs> got this. Yeah, well, I, I guess, you know, we should uh, pay credit where credit's due. There is a Bits and Bricks podcast, which is all about lego and video games in various kind of capacities is not quite as like game by game as we're going to be here but uh it's kind of an interesting if if people are interested in learning more about the lego series um, bits and bricks is out there and very well produced actually but anyway so let's get to the show that we have in uh, store for you today i'm your host ryan jow and joining me in issue 502 are james carter hello Leah Haydu. Hello there. And Tony Atkins. Hello. All right. The Lego series. Um, I'm going to put forth potentially the most unnecessary spoiler warning <laughs> that we've ever given on the show. Is it though? Or is it like the most Because exp- you could spoil a lot of I mean, we might be spoiling films. the ending of Lord of the Rings yeah. if people aren't. <laughs> Lord of the Rings, Indiana Jones, Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. Like there's all kinds of stuff you could spoil <laughs> potentially. <laughs> Just to give some uh, some context into this long-running series, let's uh, talk about some of the companies that are involved. Um, Warner Brothers Interactive Entertainment is the team who are the rights owners to um, to a lot of these uh, a lot of these properties that are licensed here. The Lego games um, as a whole, they're the publishers of the Lego games. They kind of co-manage that with the Lego Group, who are you know, the people who are who have kind of produced the toys for forever, it seems. Um, TT Games is the primary developer. They were established in 2005 through a merger of two companies, uh, the first of which um, I actually have a bit of history with, uh, Traveler's Tales, which is a British studio with a history of working closely with Sega. They produce Sonic 3D Blast and Sonic R and the Sega Saturn. Um, and they have a long history of publishing licensed games. So, um, you know, games that would come out to kind of promote new movies and stuff at the time, uh, like uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, which uh, I played a lot of on PlayStation when I was a kid, and the excellent Toy Story 2 Buzz Lightyear to the Rescue, uh, a real standout from my childhood and uh, much better than any Toy Story game really needed to be. It's a, it's a, a really nice, you know, licensed platformer if you're into that kind of thing. I'd still kind of recommend people go back to that one. Um, they specialized in platformers uh, like the aforementioned licensed titles, as well as a couple of Crash Bandicoot titles, the Wrath of Cortex and Crash Twin Sanity taking over for Naughty Dog once they left the franchise, um, as well as a few, a little bit of dabbling in the racing and kart racing genres like uh, Muppet Race Mania, Toy Story Racer. F1 Grand Prix and uh, World Rally Championship. Let's get to the actual <laughs> game discussion and let's uh, let's chat through our histories and let's 
if we can, just be extremely brief. Just kind of how did we first come to it? James, I'll start with you. Uh, sure. Yeah. Um, I uh, fairly early on when I had an Xbox 360, uh, spotted a copy of um, Star Wars Complete Saga and uh, played that, played a bit of co-op with my brother over Christmas. And that is just an amazing scenario in which to to play uh, that game. You know, it's it was a nostalgia trip, but also a Lego sort of thing. And Christmas time, just perfect time to be playing it. And since then, on and off, I've played the majority of these games. Um, probably not so many recently, uh, but yeah, I've always enjoyed enjoyed them. And we'll obviously go into why. But yeah, uh, back uh, the complete saga was the first one that I played. I'll go into my history here. I started with the complete saga as well. Um, my brother borrowed it from a friend of his from school. And I was interested in it because, you know, I I liked Lego, I liked Star Wars, and this, I think by that point, at least a couple of these games had come out. And so we were, I was starting to be interested in like, oh, you know, there's a, there's kind of a unified series that is starting to capture a lot of different IP. That's, that's interesting. And I played Lego Star Wars and found it uh, unbelievably dull. (laughs) And I just, like, it, it kind of turned me off to it for a while until... I don't really know what inspired me to go back to Lego Marvel superheroes down the road, but maybe I think that one was starting to review well. You know, I was also kind of into Marvel and um, just decided to kind of pick that one up on a whim. I think it was, you know, deep discount as all of these games end up becoming at some point. Played Lego Marvel, absolutely loved it. And I became very interested in like, this is where Lego games are now. And I found Lego Star Wars to be very dull. I kind of went back to Lego Star Wars, still found it to be pretty boring, unfortunately. But I I took a very keen interest in playing all of the games in the franchise and just kind of seeing where they started to kind of find their feet, in my opinion, or where they really started to kind of develop new ideas and new systems and to see this kind of incremental game design over the years. And so uh, since... Then, and actually as of last night, I've played and have beaten all of the games that I consider to be in the main series of Lego games. It's just kind of been like a back of my mind kind of obsession over the years. So I'm going to give you a little mini round of applause. That's that's some guy. How, <laughs> yeah. how many games is that? Just off the... Uh, I think it's somewhere around, somewhere around 30 or 35 uh, if I had to guess off the top of my head, that's pretty good. But yeah, we'll, we'll go through. <laughs> we'll briefly kind of touch on the series as we do kind of our whirlwind tour mm-hmm. later. Leah, how about you? How'd you come to this series? Yeah, I think the first one that I played was probably uh, the original Lego Star Wars because I um, I let me take take a look at the year here. Yeah, I uh, I would have been in college at that point and uh, looking for things to play on uh, on my consoles. And um, yeah, I have played not all of them uh, over the years since then, but a, a pretty decent amount. Hadn't played any in really recent years up until the last few weeks since we um found out that we were covering the Lego series pretty early on in the year this year. Um, I kind of immersed myself recently and uh, played quite a lot of Lego in quite a small <laughs> amount of time, while also at the same time under being uh, being immersed in the project of building. And Tony, I believe you have one of these too, the, uh, the Lego Nintendo Entertainment System mm. that was a Christmas gift to me. Um, so I, I've kind of just been... Very, very Lego centric uh, recently, 
like I said, I, I have played a, a pretty decent number of these. I, I think that I may have may end up having a, a slightly different experience than a lot of you guys, because I don't tend to kind of wring all of the content out of them. I, I it's it's a little bit different for me, but we'll go into that as we go. Uh, and yeah, that's that's where I am on it. Played a lot in chunks, kind of. All right. And Tony, how about you? I haven't looked back, but my first Lego game was Lego Star Wars 2, the original trilogy. Why I missed the first one, I don't know, but Lego Star Wars 2 is where I started. Prequels, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I, I, um, I'm a fairly scattershot across the Lego um, series and haven't looked down. I was like, oh, yeah, no, I've done that, I've done that. There's notable ones which I have missed, but I, and I think a lot of it has got to do with certain IP, stuff that interests me, other, other things that don't. And actually, to, to Leah's point, like, I have a problem with playing games and I have to see everything in games, including 100% in all achievements in games, etc, etc. It's a problem. And I, you know, I'm still dealing with it at the age of 42 and that's okay. Um, But the problem is then every Lego game that I play, I end up having to put 50, 60 hours into. So Mm -hmm. it becomes, you know, I, I, oh, like, well, I don't want to get involved. So what I tend to do with a lot of Lego games nowadays is that, you know, I do have children and it means that i can you know just kind of break away from that mindset and actually play with my with my girls and you know we can go for the lego games um and in particular my my wife she adores lego games and you know we find ourselves actually just you know playing co-op in lego games together or just handing over the controller so there's a lot of games i have played but there is a few that i haven't but yeah a lot of the time the ones that I want to spend huge amounts of time is the ones which, you know, I generally have a, a love for the IP and want to immerse myself in the, those worlds. Um, but yeah, so Star Wars is my my first one. And yeah, and I'm, we'll, we'll brush over the stuff we've done in, in the series as we go through. So um, as we mentioned previously, a lot of these games do feel pretty similar mm. to one another. I mean, there's a very clearly established formula that they haven't really deviated that far from since the very first Lego Star Wars game. And so um, talking about kind of some recurring game mechanics, uh, this is going to hold true through most or all of the games that we talked about. I will have to just butt in. I have to say, though, like you, going back, I went back to some of the earlier titles. So, you mm-hmm. know, I went back to the original Star Wars I played. You always think in your head mechanically, well, they've not changed that much until you, you jump back and go, wow, some of the kind of user friendliness or some of the way that yeah, the, the screen true. indicates where you should be or some of the pinpoint jumping i mean not that they're hard but some of the jumping things in the earlier games are you know, really like pinpoint sharp versus well you kind of landed there that's good enough it's, I'll pull it's you just towards a bit more edge. fiddly here it yeah, is absolutely. yeah it's yeah. you know ease of life is is definitely better in the later games but yes generally the mechanics are the same so there's a just kind of standard movement and uh, combat, as you would expect from a 3D platformer action adventure type of game, there's both melee and arranged combat, depending on the character in which you're playing at the time. Uh, there is a semi-locked camera during missions, um, but usually a free camera during um, exploration of the open world hubs. And so they'll usually have a very kind of prescriptive viewpoint uh, while you're going through the tailored content. But um you know, it is, it's pretty free to explore um, as you would like in the open worlds. Throughout the game, you are progressing through these fairly linear levels and the non-linear open worlds. You're collecting studs, which we mentioned before, as they're kind of constantly breaking apart and raining all upon you. Uh, you are collecting mini kits, which are usually more involved puzzles, or uh, sometimes you have to destroy 
you know, five of a certain type of object in one of the linear levels. Sometimes you have to uh, participate in little mini games or something. Uh, usually these are gated behind characters that they don't give you in the first run of a level. Usually these are things you have to come back for. Uh, but mini kits, there's, I think, 10 in each level typically. There is collecting gold bricks, which are kind of the equivalent in the open world, as well as they'll give you gold bricks for like completing the studs par for each level and doing a few of those kind of standard progression-based achievements throughout the game. There's usually like 450 uh, gold bricks throughout the game or somewhere around there. There's collecting red bricks, which we mentioned earlier, which are essentially cheats. Um, so the stud multipliers, invincibility, uh, things like that. Or there's also just just fun ones that are just for aesthetics, like everyone's wearing a silly hat or everyone's voices are pitched up you know the kind of standard like playstation 2 era cheats that you might that you might uh receive and then you would uh, frequently come across boss fights and these are usually kind of multi-stage actually like fairly involved and elaborate for being boss fights in what are ostensibly like children's games like these usually involve some level of uh puzzle solving problem solving in some way um to be able to damage the bosses so boss fights often when uh, certainly when I talk about the the my favorite boss fights it's when the boss fight is a culmination of stuff you have learned through the level or the game up to that point or whatever it is and this is the point at which you get to show that you have understood the different mechanics you've got the new powers you've got whatever it might be or or the the style of like puzzle or or uh, interpretation of the world uh, interaction with the world that you you've understood it properly and now you can execute it and in the lego games it, it's never really felt like that to me it's not always that they're asking you to do something completely different to the rest of the game but often they're asking you to do something very acutely here that you don't really do that much mm -hmm. of throughout the rest of the game, like mm -hmm. grabbing an, an object and throwing it at the boss. You don't do that an awful lot necessarily in the combat through the rest of the game. So it can kind of sometimes come out of the blue and it ends up being a criticism I have of, and not just Lego games by any stretch, but a game where it can be praised for being quite simple and quite uh, user-friendly and, and beginner-friendly in terms of uh, people who play games. Oftentimes, like you've described, Brian, I end up frustrated because I feel like the game has made it very plain to me what I need to do all the way through. And then as soon as there's any moment where it's not immediately obvious, I'm like, well, this doesn't necessarily feel like I'm the one being obtuse here. It feels like I've been led yeah. by the hand all the way through this game and now just not. And that that doesn't feel consistent. And boss fights tends to be where that happens for me somewhat. I will just add a little bit here, um, slightly, slightly dissenting from this, because I found... And, and I am somebody who will not hesitate to go to a walkthrough <laughs> if I get stuck somewhere. But I didn't really find that I needed to in, in any of the Lego games that I played because the answer is almost always just keep breaking stuff until yeah. something happens, <laughs> uh, which yeah, I, I yeah. like in some ways. Uh, and, and then in other ways, like, like the boss fights you mentioned, they're often really scripted like yeah. really yep. scripted like there is one way to do this and if you are not doing that then you are doing it wrong um which in one way is kind of okay because yeah okay it's like a puzzle and also because there are very few consequences mm -hmm. for not doing something other than you don't progress you right. can't permanently die you just lose some of your studs when you when you do and, and i mean if matter? you are going yeah. for 
Yeah, I mean, if you're if you have that multiplier, it doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. um, but it's not a a situation where if you die enough times, like you don't have a number of lives, right? Like if no. you if you die a number of times mm-hmm. and you lose a bunch of studs, then yeah, that sucks. But if you are dying that many times, then odds are maybe you're not really looking for a, a, a high score on the studs anyway. The fact that these games turn out to often be so scripted, at least in your first playthrough is both a good thing and a bad thing in my experience, or can yeah. be both a good thing and a bad thing in my experience. I, I was going to bring up for. what do people think about the the, the non-death scenario, although it happens, it doesn't really happen, like you're back in and out within two seconds. Like, I, I don't mind it, but I almost find it almost pointless to have the animation of me dying in the first place. Oh, yeah. It, yeah. It, oh, yeah. It responds to nothing in the end. Yeah, I mean, you kind of need some sort of a failure state to introduce some level of, like, peril into the fights but the fights feel so much kind of like a button mashing damage race already and uh, i think the fact that the platforming is too loose the combat <laughs> is too loose to really enforce real consequences because you know if i miss a jump like it's usually because the camera angle is just not working in my favor like yeah 100%. you know and so like they couldn't really with the games that they have now they couldn't really enforce that much stricter of a death mechanic so i kind of kind of like what it is now but on the other hand like i feel like they know that the death mechanic isn't very punishing and so they aren't pushed to make the game more fair and so they will have bosses just pelt you with attacks without you know letting up and without giving you a real chance to defend yourself just because it doesn't ultimately matter that much and it's, i don't know yeah but at the same time i think it kind of bleeds it, the problem is into combat as well because the amount of times i've just stood there hacking away at something knowing that my heart's going down but does it really matter because in two seconds i'll be back still hacking away and there could be a yeah. bunch of moves i could possibly use but at the same time it's almost like well that's more effort to set that move up than it is just keep hacking this person with this one weapon I've got yeah. right here. I, you know, but then again, I'm thinking about my, my girls and they don't really care about any of that stuff. They just want to see the story progress in front of them. So no, there's, <laughs> there's definitely a world in which uh, lives and health and that sort of thing, in some cases, like in the Lego games, I think a good example, are kind of just a holdover from what we used to have to have in games. Yes, mm-hmm. you can take that all the way back to arcades and you had to have lives and, and the, the sense of death because you wanted to get more money out of the people playing it. And there is a kind of question of, well, do we do we need that at all in this? And like Lego City Undercover, the game that I played most recently, you don't even lose studs when you die unless I'm mistaken. Yeah, no, that's right. So that isn't even a thing. Like certainly I remember playing the, the older games, Indiana Jones and Star Wars, where I would frantically run around trying to collect all the studs because I was going for the, the, um, the st- filling up the stud meter and... Uh, and so that would be a penalty, a, a peril it's, that would want me to, to make me uh, play better or, you know, avoid taking damage, etc. But it would also add frustration when I would, as you said, Ryan, just depth perception isn't always great in 3D platformers. That's a problem that many, many 3D platforming games have struggled to to communicate and there's different ways of doing it. And so you, you start walking out across a beam and you don't realize that you're at slightly the wrong angle and fall off yeah. into water and immediately you're, you're dead. And you're just like, well, <laughs> how did I know? You didn't give me the chance to learn to know to do better next time. I love um, the idea of just... a Dark Souls, you died on the screen. It does feel like they're kind of stuck between uh, a rock and a hard place. And 
do they make it more consequential knowing that that will push some players away and they don't want to do that at all uh or or do they make it less consequential than it, than even currently is and just not have lives or hp or anything altogether at which point where's the negative feedback that you're doing the wrong thing if a boss is hitting you and the only thing that's happening is you are not beating that boss <laughs> uh it's, you kind of feel like you need some kind of negative feedback to say that's not happening you know um that that's not the right thing to do but yeah it's difficult and that's but. kind of the core of it is like i've always found the exploration and the puzzle solving to be the more interesting parts of these games anyways and i think it's the part that they probably enjoy programming more whereas the the fighting feels like it's just kind of there for texture and so the fact that it's not especially punishing i I think kind of plays towards the game's strengths and minimizes its weaknesses let's let's move on to some general kind of notes on aesthetics uh don't want to spend a ton of time on this because all these games are very different but uh any, I just kind of wanted to open the floor for a little bit about the graphics. Like the characters tend to be pretty, you know, simple Lego pieces. And then there will be kind of Lego objects throughout the world, usually set against kind of a naturalistic background. Um, so, you know, like actual, you know, rocks and mountains and, and houses sometimes and cities and stuff. But, you know, anything that is in that naturalistic kind of photorealistic, not to the quality of photorealistic, but to the um, artistic aspiration of photorealism, anything in that style you typically can't interact with and just kind of makes up the set dressing. Whereas anything that is in Lego can be interacted with, you know, same kind of rules of like a old Scooby-Doo cartoon where anything that is inked in is going to move. Whereas anything that is the painted background isn't going to be interacted with. Yeah, it, so it does two really great things. The first is what you've just said, Ryan, which is it's very, very clear what you can interact with and what you can't. Mm-hmm. And if the whole world was Lego, it, the the switch or the, the breakable object could get lost in, in that. Um, but the second thing it does is kind of the, in the I guess, a, a mirror of that, which is when you play with Lego, you play on your carpet. Or, and your sofa is the mountain and you know the furniture around you becomes the environment lego is something that is a very specific blocky bricky uh, top plastic toy that sits in a world when it's being played with that is not that is made of materials even if you're building out a world you're probably using a piece of cardboard as the ground or you know kids you're used to blending the toy with the the real mm-hmm. world environment and that becomes the play space and this does very similar thing, not to a full Pikmin level, but having a natural or even if you want to call it a, a traditional uh, sort of uh, 2D background or even 3D background, but all the Lego stuff in it is the, it, it's the, instead of having to paint something yellow because you can climb it, it's Lego. You can interact with it, focus on that stuff yep. and everything else is the, is whether it's the painting backdrop behind that you would used to have in a, a sort of um, silk screen um, in films, whether it's that or whether it's, you know, uh, re- reflecting kids playing with Lego. It just works really, really well to, to draw a distinction between background and foreground like that. Yeah. So for me, and I don't want to tread over a, a number of games that we're going to talk about in a, in a second, but I think for me, the entire essence of what has kept Lego as a series going for as long as it has and using so much IP, you know, intellectual property, which companies are absolutely guarded over. You know, it's really important for companies. I was playing um, the Avengers today and then I swapped over to Batman. 
you know, I saw the Marvel logo pop up and then 20 minutes later I was, I saw the DC logo pop up and I was like, I was trying to rack my brains like, is, is that another company that would be allowed to have both these IPs, both these properties from <laughs> mm. two rivaling, you know, really big rivaling franchises like, you know, unless we're talking back to like, you know, fight, original fighting games many years ago. But, you know, in a modern day kind of secretive keep you know, our IPs to ourselves and allow it to go to essentially a third party in the case of what Disney, I mean, Warner Brothers owns the you know tt studios and it, you just got to think like wow that they had to inter in interact together because the importance of what lego is yeah, as a yeah. franchise and for me i think so much of that is down to the graphical style because what it does it allows you to step back from having it to be perfectly realistic and it allows you to approach any property with that kind of like well it's not realistic is it it's lego but it also captures the essence of the fun and joy of every single ip because they have this unique way of making it fun and joyful throughout every single one of these games i don't know how they do it it's a magic source but they do it and so much of that is the fact that you can sit down you know the kind of style you're going to get from a Lego game. And it doesn't step on anyone's shoes, but it also brings a smile to your face. That has to be applauded because, you know, I, yep. I love jumping into a, a, you know each of these individual Lego games and seeing how they've interpreted an IP. And sometimes I'm actually quite surprised. Like, oh, wow, they went that direction. Like, that's really impressive. Like, Leah mentioned Lego Jurassic Park. When I jumped in that, I was like, oh, this, this feels like, you know, a slightly more pan back camera, you know, slightly bigger environments because you need dinosaurs. <laughs> like, you know, I see how they've kind of brought this into these worlds. And yeah. I, I will never get over the fact that, you know, as a, as a, as a whole series, they've got so many, so much IP that they deal with and somehow they also tie it in together into their own branding and companies allow them to do that. It's phenomenal. Like, let's, just kind of briefly talk about the audio. I don't know if there's going to be much to say about the music. Usually there's original score that is kind of infused with um, with some of the legacy music of the property that they're adapting if it's like a movie or TV show in a lot of cases. So, you know, you'd get like a little bit of the John Williams scores for, you know, Star Wars, Harry Potter, Jurassic World, but uh, you'd also get, you know, a lot of original compositions as well, just to kind of round it out. But uh, the more controversial point, I think, is the voice acting. <laughs> now, the first few Lego games from Star Wars up through Harry Potter years five through seven included no voice acting, and all of the cutscenes were acted out in kind of pantomime, <laughs> Mime. Uh, puppet theater type of yeah performances, all using very kind of silent slapstick sometimes characters would give you a little bit of a huh or something but you know it wasn't like there wasn't voice to lions until you got to lego batman 2 which uh, started incorporating voice acting for all of the characters which allowed them i think to tell more complex original stories that might have been a little bit too complicated to like fully communicate via just the pantomime performances and you know i think with Lego Batman 2 being, at that point, the series' most complex original story that they were telling, I, I think they probably would have struggled if they stuck with the with the uh, pantomime performances. And while I do kind of miss the pantomime performances, you know, the strength of Lego City Undercover's performances and, you know, some of the, the depth of characterization that they're able to get into with the, you know, ever-ballooning 
character counts uh, of the Lego Marvel games and, you know, having all of these diverse characters and stuff. Like, I think ultimately it does work towards the series' favor, in my opinion. The caveat that I'll make to that is that there are a few of these games, the ones that are oftentimes based off of movies, like Lego The Lord of the Rings introduced this, and uh, you saw it come back in like Lego The Hobbit and Lego... Marvel's Avengers as well, yeah. Yes, Lego Marvel's Avengers um, that use the actual voice lines from the movies that they were referencing, uh, which... I think on one hand makes for a good back of the box bullet point. You can say that, you know, we have the actual actors, you know, Elijah Wood and, you know, the entire crew um, that are, that are giving their voice performances to these characters. You know, it sounds authentic. These are professional (laughs) Hollywood actors, but I've always really, really disliked it in the Lego games because the, the types of performances that you give for live action are different than the types of performances that you give for voice acting in cartoons. Live action benefits a lot from, you know, character from audiences being able to see the actors and see them emote on their faces and to be able to read their lips. And so, you know, you can speak more quietly and you can you can mutter a little bit more. You can put a little bit more of that kind of grungy characterization. You can you can give a flatter line read but then sell the emotion on your face whereas with cartoons everything looks and sounds great while you're watching it but if you were to just isolate the voice performances given for a cartoon without the visuals you would think oh this person is like completely overacting and making a fool of themselves but like that's the (laughs) type of performance that you have to give for a cartoon because like you you have to sell everything through your voice and it it's it's necessary and the the games that have the original voice acting get this and i won't say that the original voice acting in any of the marvel games is or any of the lego games is like stupendous but it's like it, it's competent cartoon voice acting whereas the voice acting that is taken straight from the movies i think it 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 comes across muddy it comes across like really flat and just completely inappropriate for the types of experiences. I always call it voices have been inserted because mm-hmm. that's the way sometimes it feels like a, a, you know, an audio track has been inserted over a scene and it feels every bit of that yeah. rather than, you know, somebody has recorded the voiceover for the scene. It's somebody has taken something and we've made the scene to the voiceover. It's a bit weirder. It doesn't quite always stick yeah. as well. But it's it, it's it's even um, more bizarre than that because you don't just get the voice from the film. Oftentimes, you get the sound that's yeah, also no. going on around the voice, like the background, like Lord of the Rings. You can hear the wind whistling behind them, and that makes sense for the scene, <laughs> but it also doesn't sound right for the game. It's very bizarre. I really liked the non voice acting, um, but I the the voice acting does lend itself pretty well to certain stories. Just not if it's inserted that I just yeah. Uh, I yeah, definitely one of the first ones with voice acting that I played was Lord of the Rings. And uh, I, I remember just going, oh, God, no, this is bad. <laughs> yeah. just because I didn't feel like it fit very well. Now, by the time they got to like the Avengers game, which also has that it fits a little bit better. You can still tell it's inserted and it's still not perfect. It's still not, you know, original voice acting, but it it it. I, I feel like they did a better job with some of those later ones, in particular the Avengers. Um, but it, it's still 
not as good in my mind as the the original voice acting or failing that the uh the um kind of uh non-voice acted pantomime versions of the stories uh let's get to the actual games we're gonna we're going to go through <laughs> all of the all of these tt lego games but we're gonna give kind of a whirlwind tour of most of them and uh maybe kind of buckle down on conversation points for a few of the important ones along the way but uh if we uh if we don't give your favorite lego game as much conversation as it deserves uh, we're trying to keep this podcast somewhere <laughs> under 12 hours so you know time us now <laughs> we're going to start with lego star wars the video game uh and kind of probably also tie in lego star wars to the original trilogy and lego star wars the complete saga which were the 2005 2006 and 2007 releases respectively um we'd already kind of talked through a lot of these aspects i'll note that like i found these to be pretty dull at the time and i still find them to be pretty dull going back to them now as far as gameplay goes but i will say that the various the various kind of sets of powers never felt as elegant in any other universe except for maybe the comic book ones as they do in the star wars universe like it's just such like a it feels like they picked the right property to start out with and to have force users, you know, the Jedi, you know, who can use the force, who can use lightsabers. And so they have this kind of like melee and magic type of build versus the bounty hunters that are a little bit more, you know, they have ropes and long distance, you know, ranged weapons and jetpacks, And then you have the stormtroopers who have different abilities like everything and the droids especially droids add a lot to this for those special kind of like hacking interactions mm. it just feels like a really really good and really intuitive way to understand like the different character classes that they would elaborate yeah. on in the in the later games um where does uh lego star wars sit for you well for, for me i think that it was the absolute perfect ip they could have picked to start the lego franchise off in in fact you do wonder if they didn't start with this and tried a different approach to something else whether you know the games would have stuck the the, the way they did and then had this you know blossom in years of you know money making because it just seemed like it was a natural thing in fact i think star wars was one of the first big ips that they really messed around within within the actual business of lego itself you know the building blocks of that and i think i yeah long history yeah so it, it was once one of those perfect fits and yeah for me i think you know you hit you know people firing you have lightsabers which cut you know lego sections in half but you can do that in fun way because it's lego it breaks apart you can you know force push and things break apart and like it it has all those elements of making sense to the to the um, you know, style of IP that they are working towards, and I just think it was a perfect fit. But like you say, going back to the game now, I don't think it's it's certainly. I mean, it makes sense that it's it's not the the pinnacle of Lego um, gameplay, but you know the building bro- blocks are there for sure. But um, yeah, it's it's a little bit stilted <laughs> to go back to it now. Let's move on to the the next video game in the series was a pretty big departure i would say and i think if the series had started here we probably wouldn't be talking about (laughs) lego games today Um, nothing wrong with this game in particular but lego indiana jones the original adventures i'll say that uh it was a huge step forward in the kind of fluidity of the game feel you know it feels like the time in between lego star wars and lego indiana jones they um they spend some time on the engine but uh, yeah, I think overall, like I couldn't really shake the feeling that I don't 
care about Indiana Jones that much. And I, uh, you know, these are for the most part, non supernatural entities. And so you're really kind of limited by having like somewhat naturalistic power sets, which, you know, I think actually is probably like, as far as like a self-discipline measure, like a good way for them to go because they kind of got the, they got the most supernatural out of the way right off the bat. They got to experiment and then they had one where they really had to kind of like color inside the lines really intentionally. Um, I, I, I don't, I don't have numbers on this, uh, but I suspect that a lot of people played Lego Indiana Jones because there was an Xbox 360 bundle that had uh, it came with a dual disc. Uh, I don't know if it was two separate discs or whether it was just one disc with both of them on it with Lego Indiana Jones and Kung Fu Panda. I, I don't know what what exactly the year was, but I do remember that around that time I was working at GameStop uh, and we saw so many of those <laughs> discs come back in for trade in. Mm. So I, I suspect that just because of that bundle, since that was a pack in, a lot of people probably played the original Lego Indiana Jones who might not have. Uh, otherwise just because it came with the console yeah and i think um obviously maybe not in terms of right you've got your pick from a list of every single uh fictional franchise in the world maybe indiana jones wouldn't be the next but after star wars it does make sense it's obviously it was lucas arts it is another trilogy Mm -hmm. that was beloved and uh the people making the game at that time were exactly the right age to be wanting to go back to the nostalgia of star wars and indiana jones um so it, it made perfect sense that that would be the next one i think the real story here though is ryan star wars is dull and you don't care about indiana jones really <laughs> this is this is your opening pitch for the lego series okay <laughs> uh well um i will say that uh you know they tried to match the uh the character roster of lego star wars but like indiana jones <laughs> as a franchise doesn't have that many characters it's more kind of the the depth of the characters that they do have and so I'd say many, if not most, of the characters that you could select are just Indiana Jones in different clothing. Different jackets. <laughs> so, yep. <laughs> yep. Different powers along the way. Um, but they they moved next into Lego Batman the video game, which was the first time that they told an original story, um, not with voice acting just yet. Uh, it had separate hero and villain storylines, including separate hubs where you can uh, you can switch between the heroes hub in the Batcave and the villains hub in Arkham Asylum to take on their different storylines. Uh, and you had a, um, uh, the puzzle solving in this game was less about changing characters, though you could in uh, level replays as normal, but it was more about changing the suits that Batman and Robin were wearing and kind of using the different abilities that their various suits would give them. So it's not necessarily something that's come back a lot later, but it was a little bit more of those, you know, you get those kind of context sensitive power ups um, throughout the various levels instead of unlocking more kind of permanent power ups along the way. I think the the suits is really interesting because obviously in Star Wars, you've got, as we said, the different character classes and in Indiana Jones, it's lots of different outfits, but ultimately Indiana Jones is always going to still have the same uh, ability set, no matter what outfit he's wearing, whether he's wearing, uh, you know, is a professor outfit or his adventure outfit. Um, but in Batman, it makes perfect sense. That's a very tech focused superhero. And we had seen through the nineties films, 
Yes, sometimes he needs to put on his ice suit. Sometimes he needs to put on his green glowing neon suit. And, you know, it it makes perfect sense that Batman would have different suits for different abilities and different scenarios. And yeah, that again, it just kind of fits the sort of game Lego wanted to, to make. And whether that was Happy Accident or whether they are just really good at picking the franchises and dovetailing that with the gameplay, it makes perfect sense here to do that. Next game in the series was another major departure. This was Lego Rock Band, developed by that TT Fusion sub-studio. A game of at, its time. <laughs> in uh, collaboration with Harmonix. And um, this was, this is essentially just a Rock Band game, and uh, in so much that the soundtrack from this game is importable or exportable from this disc into all future Rock Band games in the same way that Rock Band 1, 2, 3 games are exportable themselves. And so um, this is actually one of my favorite Rock Band games. It's beautiful, Um, Ryan. It's beautiful. I love it. (laughs) There's there's um, the kind of Lego aesthetic. I I did play through the game through the Lego Lego, um, Rock Band disc. And so, you know, I got to see all of the, you know, Lego characters playing the playing their instruments and you know even the note track that you would play were all lego bricks instead of those kind of colored uh gems like from regular uh-huh. rock band games but the the biggest kind of thing that this brought to the rock band formula was the introduction of kind of like spectacle boss fights in a way there were certain levels where uh kind of a big silly story <laughs> would be playing out in the background um tick tick boom by the hives uh the Ghostbusters theme, So What by Pink, Monster by The Automatic. Um, you know, there were a handful of these levels where um, they had just these really kind of fun, involved, over-the-top Lego stories that were going on in the background. They're very memorable. And, um, you know, they're they're worth looking at. Uh, <laughs> you know, seek them out on YouTube. Like, they're really fun to watch. And they really kind of like, you know, whenever I hear Monster by The Automatic, which is fantastic song and so much fun to play in rock band like i still play that one on rock band like all the time and um i I still think back to the the lego tyrannosaurus chasing the band you know as they're playing on top of their car from lego rock band like it's just a fun image and you know so what by pink is a big orc lord of the rings orc battle and it's just just a really joyful entry in that series with a really solid soundtrack (laughs) <laughs> that I'm very happy to have carried forward into the rest of the Rock Band games. Completely agree. Everything you said, yeah, I loved it. It was just happy, charming, like everything else about Lego, just puts a big smile on your face and worked you know, really well within the Rock Band thing. In fact, I thought it came out a lot later than it, it did within like all the Lego games. I felt like... Yeah, you know, kind of surprising. There was, a, there was a whole bunch of stuff before that, and that's, you know, it became a bigger thing. But actually, it was fairly early on in the Lego franchise per se so that you know i'm not sure how much it ties into lego games as we know it because it's more kind of rock band but yeah it was a it was a lovely spin-off yeah i i i used i (laughs) i definitely got that because i was very into rock band at the time uh and ended up enjoying the game itself but yeah the i i must admit the uh the soundtrack exporting was really kind of the draw for me Next one is Lego Indiana Jones 2 The Adventure Continues, which is, uh, hey, remember all those Indiana Jones movies that everyone liked? Well, there was <laughs> another one. <laughs> well, so, the, yeah, this is the weird, like, was this like a, a 
Super Mario Galaxy 2 situation where they just they prototyped so many different levels for the Indiana Jones original trilogy that they thought, well, let's do the offcuts. And I guess Crystal Skull's a film people want to see Lego Yeah, that's the thing. Is, made out I of. think this came out to kind of promote Crystal Skull because it came out around the same time as that film's launch, if I remember correctly. But it, uh, but it did also feature kind of like B-side missions yeah, yeah. from the original story. I think just because Crystal Skull wasn't enough to base the entire game around and the fact that nobody really liked that movie was probably them hedging their bets a little bit i I think for me this was around the time where i started thinking actually you know what lego batman telling an original story with a Mm pre-existing character really fitted their kind of it meant they could still do their silent character thing telling a story because you knew the beats you knew the references you had nostalgia for the characters and it's a new story this really actually was where not Batman itself, but playing Indiana Jones 2 was like, oh yeah, no, actually, I don't need to see all of the scenes just redone again. I don't need to be in the Indiana Jones world again yeah. when they could be telling a, a, a new story. They could be doing Lego Indiana Jones a brand new adventure and they didn't and that felt mm-hmm. a little disappointing. I will say the dynamic split screen you already mentioned was introduced here. That was like magic. That that was yeah. such a, a brilliant addition here because it felt so constrain, constricting to play uh, co-op on the same screen where you wanted to go and explore off in that direction <laughs> and you couldn't because the screen was literally wasn't big enough. Uh, and that this was just such a great way to, to handle that. And it felt like, as I say, magic. It felt like freedom in, in the game. This game also introduced some larger hubs between levels. You always had like the most Sicily Cantina and the uh, Arkham Asylum Batcave hubs. But this is the first one where it really felt more like there was like stuff to explore and, you know, there were puzzles to encounter and stuff like that. And so, you know, I think this would kind of be perfected in the next game, like Harry Potter, but uh, it was kind of introduced here and, um, but not quite at the level that it would eventually become kind of like a full big open world, like you'd see a little bit later. Let's move on to 2010's Lego Harry Potter years one through four. They would later come out with years five through seven, which would cover the latter four movies. This is the first four movies. And uh, I have a great deal more affection for these early Harry Potter stories than I do the later ones anyways. Um, I think there's more kind of like fun world building. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit lighter of a a significantly lighter tone in the early Harry Potter uh, books and movies, and so I think these translated better into Lego. The um, five through eight or five through seven, we'll talk about a little bit later, was quite a bit darker and felt a little bit more kind of like just by the numbers and playing through the. And I mean, by that point in the story, Lego and his uh, Harry and his friends <laughs> are on the run from yeah. Voldemort and you know the evil wizards, anyways. And so there's not that kind of central hub like um, the the really brilliant Hogwarts that you got in this game. And, you know, it's not, again, fully, fully explorable like we would see in later games. And maybe, you know, if they were to return to the franchise these days, then I would love to see a more fully realized Hogwarts. But for what it was, like, I I had so much fun walking around Hogwarts and seeing all the kind of magic um, wizarding school hallways and such. Like, this really felt like another big step forward for the series. as far as I'm concerned, just a few minor notes here. Uh, instead of, um, I mean, you would gain new characters fairly fairly regularly throughout the games, uh, throughout the game, but you would 
um, as you progress through the story, the same characters that you were following would gain new abilities. You know, they are in school and they're learning new things. And so it was, uh, it became less about switching characters and more about kind of maximizing the capability of your core crew. Although in uh, replaying levels, pick Malfoy's dad because he can do pretty much anything. <laughs> like he's, he's massively overpowered <laughs> in this game. This game introduced playable animals as well. Uh, so, you know, not just the minifigs any longer. Mm -hmm. And uh, it introduced ghost studs to kind of guide your way through these hub worlds. These, now that they're much larger and easy to get lost in, ghost studs kind of become a, a staple of the series to kind of navigate you, um, your kind of GPS line through through these games. So in this game, they actually made sense because there was ghosts in the world. Yeah. In theory, laying yeah. the studs, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, that was handy. probably my favorite of, the, of all the Lego games, to be honest. And I, and I just for for me, it's because you know I like the Harry Potter IP as much as it is kind of a weird thing to say now, but you know I still like the Harry Potter IP. But I also think um, because magic plays a big part into the world, it gave context to a lot of the stuff you would do with wands, moving stuff around the environment, you know, yep. shooting beams of stuff to hit. Like it, it just it made sense, and then the different cloaks would make sense because it feels like it's different houses and different things allowed to like it it for you know the the world exp exploration made sense because in Hogwarts there is lots of secret areas that you can explore and find and you know the way they the, the imagery of the, of the title works is so brilliant because it, there's so much to draw from from that series so I just think as an entire package it had everything going for it a bit like Star Wars just you know iconic imagery that just works so well but it also had that that layer of well it just plays into the game mechanics perfectly and it doesn't always work that way because i remember playing the ea harry potter games where they it was based more kind of a yeah, at the time realistic look and they never quite captured that same same magic but i just think here yeah absolutely and like i say the caricatures worked really well uh for the characters in this as well good fit i'd say uh leah did you play this one I did. Um, yeah, I, I played, um, I guess it would have been probably a, a pretty close to when it came out. Um, and yeah, I, I I really feel like the ghost studs were kind of the big one out of this. That That is something that I <laughs> genuinely appreciate yeah. in the in the later games. Um, I get lost really easily. So uh, yeah, that, that's something that uh, that I feel like should be definitely recognized there. It felt like this was the 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 culmination of okay, here's what we can do retelling a, f a film story without you know voiceover without telling a, a our own version of the story. It's um, they do a great job, and I think to Tony's point, the humor fits better in years one to four. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it it makes sense that that would be the the game that Tony you responded to more. But yeah, also just the the notion that other Harry Potter games hadn't kind of got Harry Potter right is partly because if you want to include all of the different aspects to those books, you almost need to have, okay, you need to have so many different mechanics. You need multiple different types of games all stitched together in sort of a Grand Theft Auto type of way because you need to be able to be Harry with wand in hand but also on a broomstick and also on the back of a hippogriff. And th there's so many different aspects and mechanics and uh perspectives even camera angles that you would want in order to be able to do all of that justice that it kind of doesn't 
work. So you end up with, from one Harry Potter game to the next, they've almost been different genres all the time because they're trying to find the genre that works for that universe. And the answer is, put it in this constrained sort of action-adventure, sort of isometric style, and let the fact that they already have abilities that kind of fit in with these characters and the the possibility of changing between characters, let that do the work for you and just retell the stories, uh, which is exactly what they did. It was uh, really well done. Uh, I, I remember I went through a period of every week for about a year uh, sending a tweet out asking for the, the uh, <laughs> collection to be ported over onto yep. Xbox and Switch. Because it was bizarre that they weren't. They they hadn't been ported over onto Xbox One and, and Switch. Uh, and they finally did. And I like to think that that was because of me. Yeah, I think it's kind of funny that they uh, they made Hermione's intelligence into a gameplay mechanic. She's just smarter than everyone else. Yeah. And that is a magic power in and of itself. The pacing of the adventure is really great here. And the pacing of uh, Red Brick Unlockables is also really good. So um, really nice, really pleasant kind of playthrough experience. Um, moving on to... 2011's Lego Star Wars 3 The Clone Wars, which was kind of an odd one. I don't want to spend a ton of time on this one because I found it pretty dreadful, actually. Again, like I, I love Star Wars, but none of these early games were really able to uh, to pull me in. And this one was mostly because they introduced these kind of RTS type of stages. You know, if we think about like Brutal Legend was an action adventure game that had these big like real-time strategy boss battles that a lot of the kind of like public opinion on that one is like hey the game was really cool it didn't care for the real-time strategy sections and that's kind of the same thing that they've got going on here they had kind of a dull single player story mode that was based on the the clone wars animated uh, the um cg animated show but uh the yeah, these real-time strategy segments in which you'd be sending clone troopers across these miniature battlefields was just like really, really poorly implemented. It's surprising with how much I love Star Wars and how like strong of an IP Star Wars is. I, I didn't feel like we really got the ideal Star Wars game until until The Force Awakens, which was you know very, very recent actually, and you know we're still kind of looking forward to the Skywalker saga, which we uh, we don't have a release date on. Lego Pirates of the Caribbean came out that same year in 2011. This one, I uh, I really like. I think it's one of the hidden gems mm-hmm. of the series. And I wouldn't say that it does anything particularly different differently than the other games. And I, I like the first two Pirates of the Caribbean movies more than most people, I think. But Pirates 3 and beyond, I don't think are very good. And so I'm not even that like super invested in the story, but... I think just the the mastery of the gameplay that they'd really kind of polished by this point, uh, the the pacing of unlocking new abilities and new characters was really, really good. The overworld was a great size without being sprawling. It was fun to explore. It's just like it felt like just a really solidly good Lego game that, uh, you know, is still kind of one of my favorites to these days, even though like it's not one of those that really innovated in new ways it's just really really solid i agree it's um i think some of it's because it's just a really bright game as well um i mean from a color palette it's just kind of this quite happy go lucky game obviously the pirates humor is easily transferable into lego. it's very slapstick yeah, already. lego humor so <laughs> i think that worked really well but also to your point i just think it 
it didn't try to reinvent the wheel. And sometimes that's a good thing and, and a bad time, a bad thing. And in this case, I think they just narrowed down and making whether they put all their time into maybe the, the RTS segment in Star Wars and, you know, try something different there. But here it just felt like it was back to basics and just a kind of rip roaring fun adventure and and left it there and with that. And it, yeah, it came across really well. But I think most most of it for me, it was just the humor and it was was rather funny. Next, we've already kind of covered 2011 also gave us, this is three full-size Lego games in one year, Lego Harry Potter years five through seven, which, uh, yeah, I think we just, I think we all kind of agreed that it's, it still has that kind of solid framework of the Lego Star or Lego Harry Potter games, but, um, but the darker tone of the movies and the more kind of scattered, less, you know, less time in Hogwarts, like it just kind of made it feel less, uh, less fun. Yeah, it's it's a weird one where Lego Star Wars Three: The Clone Wars they is the one they didn't have to do but chose to in order to make another Star Wars game, and Lego Harry Potter Years Five to Seven is the one they kind of had to do to finish off the Harry Potter series. But it did kind of feel like no, they said everything they had to say with the first one yeah. almost. Yeah. Next, uh, one of the ones that I want to spend some more time with is uh, 2012's Lego Batman Two DC Superheroes, which was the introduction of a true giant open world hub where you could you know you could drive around the streets you can fly around the tops of the buildings you can explore the entire three-dimensional space to find secrets and characters to unlock along the way it introduced a voice acting as we mentioned before and this one was an original story so it was original voice acting instead of um, being pulled straight from the movies and it also <laughs> for better or worse introduced dlc that you could purchase separately to receive new characters and i don't know if they were doing new levels at this point but it's the first game that had um additional purchasables uh, alongside what are our general thoughts about lego batman 2 uh, I, f- I find lego batman the original game quite difficult to go back to now again like you said with star wars it just feels like a a, a- an original sort of uh, sort of slightly more bare bones experience, even though you get the original story. Lego Batman Two, that's just not true for for me at all. I think this is a great step forward for the scope of the game and the voice acting. Just the silent cutscenes made sense when you were retelling a, a um, scene that people already knew. Uh, but in this case, adding the voice acting really did add something else to it. It meant that you could they could flesh out their story and make it more of a story than they could with the the first of uh, the Lego Batman games. I think. I think between the voice acting and the the bigger open world hub, um, this one feels like a like a real threshold of a new era of Lego video games. So um, a big step forward, I think, for the series and. Uh, Still pretty fondly remembered to this day, I think. Next one, 2012 also brought us Lego The Lord of the Rings, which was the first game to use voice clips from the movies as uh, voice acting for the characters, which I've already explained the uh, reasons why I don't like this. It has uh, items that you can carry in your backpack, and I I believe it had a little bit of crafting as well, uh, using raw materials to craft items. But uh, yeah, you kind of had a backpack of items that you could pick up from from the world, and um, and uh, it. I I think this one, my big takeaway from Lego Lord of the Rings was that the overworld really kind of steals the show. You know, with Lord of the Rings being a journey already through you know various um, various towns and lands and all these like really memorable places from the books and movies 
the overworld didn't disappoint. Like it was, it was really fun to obviously it was like very much abbreviated. Um, all the places were kind of like squished together into a f- walkable space, but um, you did get to, you know, just on the overworld, take the entire journey from the, uh, the Shire all the way to Mordor and, and beyond even. So uh, really impressive open world work here. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this one despite the the voice clip thing, which, as you say, we've already talked about. Uh, I, I, I this was one of the ones that uh, that I have pretty fond memories of going through. Yeah, I think add a Lord of the Rings score and some of the imagery from yeah. Lord of the Rings, and you know, it's as simple as that. I'm almost sold on it because you know of the journey you take as the characters. I think it does get a little bit bogged down of just hacky slashy a lot, as it would make sense of trolls, but. For me, it's one of those ones that just, I think the imagery sticks out more than the actual gameplay. 2013 brought our uh, brought another pretty major deviation from the course. This is probably the first non-licensed game that we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, but uh, Lego City Undercover, which originally it, it was based on a Lego toy line, the Lego City toy line, instead of being based on an external like movie or TV show or something like that. And this one was uh, released as a Wii U exclusive, and it stayed a Wii U exclusive for many, many years, actually. Um, it used a lot of the gamepad's features. It, it might have even launched with the Wii or with the Wii U, and, or at least kind of around that launch yeah. period. I remember yeah. it being one of the big early games that people were kind of getting into. And um, this one is structured quite a bit differently. It's a, you're essentially playing a police officer, you know better or worse these days but uh um you're you're a good cop in this in this particular game um it's a open world um grand theft auto like mm-hmm. game or i guess maybe more specifically a sleeping dogs type of game because you are playing kind of both sides of the law you know you're undercover, cop, you're yeah. undercover in a uh, criminal organization and you're trying to do them favors to gain more trust to try to find rex fury who's like the this big bad that your character um, has had a, a grudge um, after for for years and is looking to to make an arrest, and so you're you're doing robberies and you're doing all sorts of criminal activity, but you're also doing you're also called in for police work, and so kind of playing both sides of the law. There, you still collect studs, but you also collect bricks when you break apart Lego objects. They'll often break into bricks, which you can use to assemble things at it, like in building pads in the open world. Yeah. Super, super builds they're called, I think, aren't they? Okay. Yeah. This would be like either vehicle call-in stations. There's a lot of those where you can summon vehicles at any time, which wasn't super useful because you could just Grand Theft Auto, like hijack anyone's car uh, from the road. And they all kind of just handle the same pretty much. Yeah, and yeah. They all pretty much go the same speed, which is to say, a little bit slower than you'd probably like for a world of that size. But uh, you could unlock um, flying vehicles later on, which I have a bit of a problem with as well. Like I found the helicopters to be really, really disappointing. Like I thought at the point pretty late in the game, when you unlock the ability to summon in helicopters, that should have opened up the world in a, you know, you had the kind of horizontal lay of the land um, previously as you were driving and running around the city and you could oftentimes find like elaborate parkour courses to get to the tops of um, certain buildings to find extra collectibles at that point so late in the game 
helicopters should have been a way to give you that vertical freedom to be able to collect things in the air, to be able to land on buildings and hop out and explore the rooftops and really kind of like make the most of the city. But oh, what I what I was disappointed by is that you can't exit helicopters at any time that you want. You have to exit them either at helipads or you can jump out if there's a like a crash mat at the top of certain buildings, a kind of a helicopter exit only point. And so um it, it makes it a fast it really travel system was, that isn't fast. Yeah, yeah it's essentially. Weird. Yeah. It's just disappointing that like yeah. I you know, you never really got that um freedom of complete complete three hundred and sixty degree yeah. exploration. Like you were still bound by those same limitations. And the helicopters I found did not control very well either. Uh, the helicopter would always take damage when taking off some something weird with the collision <laughs> data, I guess. And then uh, to slow down a helicopter from moving forward to just like a hover took like several city blocks. Like it was yeah. not like a quick stop like it would be in like a Just Cause or a Grand Theft Auto. Like I, I'm fairly familiar with how I like helicopters to control in video games. And this just uh, wasn't it. Yeah, no, absolutely. I overshot the landing pads every single time and had to turn around and yeah. kind of really <laughs> gingerly sort of move my way back. Uh, the other thing was that, so one of the first uh, times I got into an aerial vehicle was the um, flying saucer, uh, where you get mm -hmm. it as you come out of the, you've rescued the professor and you're going off to, I can't remember where. And the place you get it is at the top of a mountain and like three quarters of the way you can go whether or not you're headed towards the the um the way marker it turns you back around cuz you can't go high enough to go over the rest of the mountain so it's this weird thing mm, where yeah. you're put into the flying saucer which should be this really cool moment and then it's just like boom no you can't go that way no you can't go that way it's just like uh, really it's this it's just this completely it, what should be exactly as you say what should be freeing feels really sort of stilted and not quite exact not quite what you'd want it to be at all unfortunately Going through Lego City Undercover, I was <laughs> because it's more Grand Theft Auto like, mm. and the world is more well, is three D, and you you move around it. I I'd always kind of thought playing through Lego games. I wonder why they don't make these more traditional kind of three D movement kind of platformers that we used to we used to see now as a modern you know, modern day, and then they kind of, they delivered this game, and I was like. Okay, that's probably why we don't see <laughs> more of this type of game because it felt quite ambitious. I mean, I'm not going to complain against the Wii, Wii U, but it, it felt quite ambitious for that platform. Like I remember a lot of slowdown in this game in particular, like just oh, yeah. struggling to, you know, to fit within what the capabilities of that system wanted to deliver. I always liked the story. I thought the story was for original sake was actually quite funny, and there was a number of times I, I would I would laugh at because the characters' names are also hilarious. Lego Marvel superheroes in 2013 as well. Um, I've already mentioned is probably still my favorite yep. of the Lego games. Uh, really, really solid cast of characters. It's the first time that they've introduced playable big figs, uh, notably <laughs> the Incredible Hulk characters. That uh, you know, it, it really kind of expanded the abilities that they were able to you know, bring into the game. It's just so much fun to fly around the world as Magneto or swing around to Spider-Man and uh, find all these secrets in this big kind of open world New York. I, uh, I really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I have a pretty um, significant connection to uh, X-Men in particular. 
Um, and the fact that I got to play as, as um, you know, Lego, Lego X-Men was very fun for me, especially since you don't actually get to do that in the second Lego Marvel game. We will um, get there, Leo. So, we yeah, will get I, to that one. We, oh, we I know. Will have our moment <laughs> but yeah, no, it's, it's, eventually. Given, given, um, I, and you know, I, I know we'll get there, but uh, yeah, I, Technically, technically, and like just gameplay wise, uh, I think that the second Marvel game probably felt better to me. But this one, I, I, I think I edges it out just because I like the cast more. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, this is Harry Potter. I have a so- soft spot for same as uh, Tony. You said, but level Mar- Lego Marvel superheroes also because I bounced off it the first time I tried to play it. I don't know why. I got a couple of levels in, and I was like, "Yeah, I'm enjoying this," but yeah, uh, you know. I'd, I'd almost prefer them to be retelling the Marvel films at the time, which we'd had Avengers and, and had gone into phase two. But going back and actually properly sitting down playing this, yeah, this is probably still my favorite overall as well. You really feel like you get to play as all of these characters. They did a great job of incorporating um, comic book ex- obscurities. And so really like something for everyone in this one, I think. It's it's usually where I would recommend like new players jump into the series um next 2014 the lego movie video game another tt fusion title this one uh, like lego city undercover has a very different game feel as if built on a different engine more focus on collecting bricks and building um kind of like lego city undercover these kind of uh mega builds and um you know that plays into being a master builder within the 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 movie's fiction this one, unlike the other games that take place with the kind of Lego bricks against a naturalistic setting, due to the due to this movie being what it is, like pretty much the entire world is made out of Lego. Yeah. And so it's a very different kind of look and feel. And uh, there's a kind of fun master building minigame when you're creating these larger builds in which um, you have to kind of yourself choose where these key items go and assemble it to um, kind of to the instructions. So you know, feel like you're kind of taking a little bit of that, a little bit of that building back into your own hands. Yeah, it's got the actual what do you call it the the instructions inside the game. You're flipping the pages, mm-hmm. which is really cool. Um, I, I, it's funny, isn't it? Because you know, this is a original Lego IP essentially, but because it's based off a movie that we would have all seen before playing the game. Or actually, did it come out before? The, uh, um, it works really well. Must have. Yeah, no, it, it works really well because you do have these characters to bounce off, and you 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 are thinking like um, Uni Kitty and stuff like that that comes through, and it's so colourful mm-hmm. and so much energy, and the song plays over the top of it, and it's just this. Oh God, it's it's so bright and colourful and it's and it's fun. And I never got that from the second game. But, <laughs> but um another really funny title, yeah. I think it has a bit of a rough start, mm-hmm. but it really comes into its own later on. And uh, I ended up enjoying this one. Next, 2014 also brought us Lego the Hobbit, which I'm very interested in because uh at the time of its sale, it included the storyline of the first two Hobbit movies. Um, and it promised that the Battle of the Five Armies section of the story would be added as free DLC, so as to not spoil the movie. But uh, this DLC <laughs> never came, which makes it an unfulfilled back-of-the-box promise. So Warner Brothers promised gamers that the game would include more of the story than it ended up including, and they just never fulfilled that. They kind of swept it under the rug and hoped that people wouldn't notice. I never heard of any, like, class action lawsuit or anything now's against the time, right? that but it just time. seems like a real it seems like a really i don't know it, it seems like more of a story than people have made it. it yeah it's just weird like i was i played this one uh in in the past 
week or two uh and i didn't know this before I, before going into it so i'm like getting towards the end of the story and i'm like yeah okay i don't know how they're gonna fit all of this in with what i think <laughs> i have left and then, then, then the story yeah. just ends where the uh where the the second movie ends and it's kind of a bummer because it's like well everybody's gone like i i i, I don't know it was it was very and then i looked up you know some more information yeah. obviously and found out about this uh that that we're looking at here and it it's just bizarre like it's just really weird to me that that that, well, that I assume happened it's because the reaction to the film wasn't quite probably what they expected yeah. it to be and then i imagine it's probably a it must have been a contractual thing that they want you know they were trying to control of what because how quite often these games come out before the actual release of movies and yeah i don't i can't remember if this was the case but it yeah it's just one of those things where you can see somebody saying well you can't do that but you can't and they go oh well release it after the fact then that's fine and then the films essentially bond at that point at that point delay the game then until you can put it all together i mean on the other hand so on the one hand i'm saying well if you can't release it all at once don't really you know wait put it out in 2015 whenever you can do that on the other hand TT Games did the thing that New Line didn't and admitted that The Hobbit should only have been two films and not three. I, I think that's a plus point, to be honest. Yeah, well done. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say I didn't really care for this game all that much. Uh, I found one of the biggest problems is one of the problems with the film as well is that uh, when you're scrolling through the character select menu, it's really hard to tell the characters apart because there's just like a bunch of dwarves that all just kind of look the same. <laughs> yep. And trying to remember who has what abilities just uh, I don't know. The game runs pretty well. Like they, they, the engine is well polished and like the, from a functional standpoint, like it is, it is a Lego game, but like it just, it didn't have the magic of the original Lord of the Rings and it didn't have a lot of the kind of gameplay, like distinctiveness of Marvel. It just felt really unnecessary. And apparently they thought so as well and they didn't bother finishing it. So <laughs> there we go. Next, also in 2014, Lego Batman 3 Beyond Gotham, another huge uh, Lego Batman game. Um, this one was another original story, a wonderful spread of heroes and powers, a really great pace of earning studs and red bricks throughout the game. It had DLC that had throwbacks to the classic Batman 1966 TV show. It's, it really, uh, it's really all that you could want from a lego batman slash lego dc video game like it's it feels very well realized for what it is and um i think it's one of those that was very well received in the series um it introduced the season pass as well which we would see more of going forward for better or worse uh next another one that has been uh that is very interesting very distinct in what it does and um has been uh one of the ones that correspondents have remembered fondly is Lego Jurassic World in 2015. You can play as uh, several of the dinosaurs and you can even DNA splice your own, not your own DNA, you can DNA splice <laughs> various kind of DNA samples together to create custom dinosaurs, which is really funny as well. And the dinosaurs, you know, for being Lego creatures, like they're really well animated and, um, you know, they feel like, uh, you know, big living dinosaurs. It, it feels like a really good realization of the Jurassic World franchise, um, the kind of IP and the property. Um, any thoughts about Lego Jurassic World? I really enjoyed this one. Um, I 
probably didn't need to do the Jurassic World segments, I probably would have been happy stopping after the Jurassic Park segments. And also, this game reminded me that Jurassic Park 3 exists, which <laughs> that's not necessarily a good thing. But yeah, I don't know. I This is another one where there's... Um, quite a bit of uh inserted dialogue but i i thought it was okay i, I think it's kind mm -hmm. of a combination if i'm not mistaken um because some of the dialogue from the, the original jurassic park movies was definitely inserted but i think some of the rest of it was original yeah i think you're right so it's kind of a weird combination there uh but uh yeah i i ended up actually really enjoying this one that's another one that i played recently so felt like it was uh did the job <laughs> And like I, I briefly mentioned this before, but it's less of a focus on combat. It's not that there's no combat, but it's not one of the ones where you just kind of have, for the most part, uh, enemies swarming you at all the time. Um, there's a lot more like I, I am a sucker for this kind of thing. So like I got a really big kick out of the fact that the whole first section of um, the, the, the game is taken right from the movie when they're you know attaching the raptor cage to the the um the paddock and like that whole thing is you know there's no combat in that but it's it's all kind of just from the movie no, that's a really good point i hadn't considered that because i'd not played this game but yeah you, you i mean you just can't have combat because you, no one in these films fights dinosaurs you run from dinosaurs so who are you fighting? Yeah, you, there's there's a lot of punching the smaller <laughs> dinosaurs um, if they do want combat. But um, like you're not fist fighting a T-Rex. For, for sure. Part, yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. It means that they can lean a bit more on their puzzles in the set pieces rather than, than yeah. uh, combat, which is cool. Yeah. And you could play as a lot of the dinosaurs. You can select some of the dinosaurs from the character select menu. And then there are some you can only access from dinosaur pads throughout the game, which is a little bit of a confusing way to yeah. do it, but whatever. Um, there's lots of references to other Steven Spielberg movies in this game as well, like Back to the Future and E.T. I kind of wonder if this was like, if this was kind of a uh, cross promotion for Lego Dimensions, which came out the same year. Uh, and I wonder if that, means that there was a Lego Jaws planned for that at <laughs> Maybe. some point. Um, I think the other thing is, obviously, uh, Lego Jurassic World was another TT Fusion, and they had, uh, in City Undercover, that game, despite being an original story, has a lot of particularly mm. film references in there and pop culture references. So they'd already kind of cut their teeth on blending multiple different um, you know, uh, references into one story in a way that hadn't really been done in many of the other games because they were so focused on one particular group of characters. Um, so yeah, it makes sense that they would continue to put the different filmic references in there. So as I mentioned, 2015 also brought us Lego Dimensions, which was the Toys to Life game. Uh, Lego's attempt to kind of jump in on the Skylanders and Disney Infinity train that was rolling pretty you know strongly at the time. Lego Dimensions included several properties. I'll list them off briefly here. It includes DC Comics, The Lord of the Rings, The Lego Movie, The Wizard of Oz, The Simpsons, Ninjago, Doctor Who, Back to the Future, Portal 2, Ghostbusters, and Ghostbusters 2016, Midway Arcade, which included some kind of classic arcade games and actually is one of the better ways to play emulations of a lot of those classic arcade games. Scooby-Doo, Jurassic World, Legends of Chima, which is an original Lego property as well, Adventure Time, Mission Impossible, Harry Potter, The A-Team, Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, Sonic the Hedgehog, Gremlins, E.T., The Lego Batman Movie, 
The Goonies, Lego City, Knight Rider, Teen Titans Go, The Powerpuff Girls, Beetlejuice, and brief cameos from 2001 A Space Odyssey, CW's The Flash, The Flintstones, The Jetsons, and Red Dwarf. So um, a lot of properties that the game itself came with three characters bundled in. It had Wildstyle from the Lego movie. It had Lego Gandalf and Lego Batman. You would get basically like a story campaign featuring all of the properties from its kind of year one um, original run of, of properties that they had acquired. So, you know, you got to go through like a Portal level and a Wizard of Oz level and a Simpsons level. And these were really fun. I, I really, really enjoyed these. And I love seeing properties that were probably too too small or too niche or, or too specific or too, to get too ma- not mature or adult but mature, for yeah. a more mature audience than than a, a universal audience maybe yeah yeah that that makes sense as well it, it felt like a like a place where the real passion projects could yeah, come through you know sure. they had a lot of like probably too many of these properties that were uh kind of like 80s nostalgia yep. and maybe even a bit older <laughs> yeah, yeah. than that but like the a-team and gremlins and night rider and it's kind of like what kids are into these like these were just for the adults pretty much and probably just for the people making the games but uh it, it's instead of unlocking new characters along the way you would have to buy these toys to life packs that would either they had smaller packs that included like a character in a vehicle they had kind of mid-sized packs that included usually two characters and two vehicles or two characters in one vehicle or something like that. And then larger like story packs that had new story, new story chapters that included like two characters, a couple of vehicles or items, and then like an entire like Lego dimensions diorama that you can assemble with Lego bricks that could kind of act as like the Lego gateway on your, on the little plastic device you would scan the characters in on. And so you know, kind of an interesting way to bundle content together. If you bought a character from a new franchise that you didn't previously own, it would also unlock like a big open world based on that franchise. So, you know, a Sonic the Hedgehog open world or a Mission Impossible themed open world. And these were constructed with a with a lot of care and attention. These were really wonderful and really the highlight of the package. Uh so much fun just walking around in like a Goonies world because, yeah. you know, somehow you can now. It felt like it was just a really fun way to let these designers work with properties that they just never would have been able to otherwise. Yeah, really, really, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So what I will say is I, I never played Lego Dimensions. The Toys to Life thing didn't necessarily put me off, but I was very aware that if I was going to play it, I would want to collect as many of the figures as possible. And as you've put in the show notes, that gets quite expensive. What I, what I will say is I get that opening up levels and, uh, and uh, different worlds tied to the figures makes the figures more valuable. I get that. You want people to be buying something and feel like they get something significant for that. The problem is, the flip side of that is it makes the base game less valuable because you have to buy the extra purchases Mm -hmm. in order to get what some might see as the full game. I've read through what you just read out on 
what you have to buy and what different things you buy to get different stuff twice and listen to you just read it out i still don't understand (laughs) what i would have to buy to get what i feel like this is the extension of the ubisoft here's your seven different editions of the game and what you get with all of them which ones do you have to buy which three of them do you have to buy to get everything this feels like okay so i just need to spend an inordinate amount of money to be able to unlock even just the bits of the game that I would want to play, let alone all of it, it just seems really confusing. And and to keep up with everything, you not only had to consider buying characters from the new properties to unlock the Jurassic World or the Teen Titans Go level that you wanted to play in, but you'd also have to balance that they, each of the characters had powers and abilities, just like a regular Lego character. And, you know, sometimes especially in the early seasons, there was only one character that could do a particular ability yep. and that would affect your progression across all of the open worlds. And so you needed Owen from Jurassic World because he was the only one who could cut vines until, yeah, I think the later seasons, more of the characters had a broader set of, uh, of abilities. Yeah. And, you know, if you just bought the last season of characters, you could do all of the abilities many times over, I expect. But, um, Early on, like you really had to be really deeply invested in that economy to get even, you know, to be able yeah, to yeah. That, beat the that game. That sounds like in, a good way to way. to sell characters that you're not sure would otherwise sell by tying yeah, them to an yeah. ability that you know people are going to want or need. Well, yeah, so, so my t- quick couple of points on it is so, so if you take something like Skylanders, it would be basically mm. content would be locked behind, yeah. say, a magical ability, and you know nine times out of ten you've got a character that would have that magical ability to to get past because you're only talking like you know five or six different things you need uh, and it wasn't very rarely a specific you have to have this character it was always yeah. you have to have this you know version or this idea of um an ability mm-hmm. and that can transpire across lots of different characters so very much was content locked away i think the problem with dimensions in the end was in those games i think you you, you when you went into um, Skylanders, you kind of knew what you were getting into. I think when people were buying Lego, you were so used to having a, a screen in Lego with you know four, fifty different characters to choose from, and you could just cycle through yeah. and play that content. To suddenly come up against a wall where it's like, well, you don't own that one, and you don't own that one, and yeah. you don't own, and that ability is not there because you don't own. It feels like something's it, been taken yeah, away. Yeah, it actually feels like yeah, it was something taken away from the content of the game, and that's not what the other Toys for Life games felt like. It just felt like you were adding something into the world. And so I think it just come against that brick wall. What's odd is I don't know why they didn't just carry on with this, with the idea of dimensions and leave it kind of in their back catalogue of things inside of a Lego mm-hmm. shop. And for the people that were interested, like I'm not interested in half the things in a Lego store that don't appeal to me, say Lego City, for instance, and I generally don't go and look in that aisle because it doesn't appeal to me, but I will be on the other more adult side of the store where my kids might be that side. of the- So I don't know why they didn't carry on. I can only assume is because every time you license a property that has a complexity to it that you will have yeah. to ca- carry on. You know, it's one thing licensing Star Wars kits, but it's another thing looking down that list of, you know, the A-Team, um, you know, the Goonies, all these different things, and then trying to keep that in stock for a prolonged period of time. I don't know. They obviously kind of set a rod for their back, but it was sad to see it really killed off. So as fast as it was, <laughs> it was, 
Did it have a second season? Did they get there or did they just... There were, there were three seasons that they produced. And as with um, Disney Infinity, um, mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. promised or rumoured or planned uh, extra sets that just went by the wayside. And, and as with uh, Nintendo and Amiibo, it's that situation of how many of these toys do you make? Because mm-hmm. you don't want to make too many, because yeah. that way goes, you know, the um, the likes of THQ before. When you make too many of a peripheral, you're sure you're going to sell, and then don't. That's a lot of sunk cost into something that's now sat in a warehouse, costing you more money. But the the alternative is like with Amiibo, you do these limited runs, and then they become like gold dust, and then next thing they're just in charity shops left, right, and center because people want to get rid of them. But at the same time, I feel like Lego, you know, you're creating bricks, and those bricks can be used across any one particular thing, unless you mm-hmm. make this this the set so particular. Like yeah. if you invest, yeah. yes, you have the investment and packaging, all that stuff, and but it's not like you know you create one design for something in a game make 50,000 of those and you know that's it that's all it's good for within Lego I'm sure you could have broken broke some of that stuff apart okay well let's reclaim some of this inventory and move it across this is way too deep for this the, yeah this no, particular sure. we're, thing. we're thinking but about it, it way more but it's <laughs> yeah it is for me yeah. I'm surprised it isn't still its own corner in a store because there's other stuff I feel like in a corner of a Lego store that is you know out outgrown itself and, and, still and you're quite you're quite right Tony uh Lego are a toy company, first and foremost. They, they, the mm-hmm. making of the toys should be the easy bit. So, yeah, it's surprising they didn't manage to stick with that in a way that Skylanders or even Guitar Hero or um, Disney Infinity, they had but to the, find someone to make but those. even for me, Disney Infinity, you're creating figures of your IP. Like, that made sense. Yeah. Like, you yeah. were, just leave those in stores. It's still an intro. Even yeah. if you don't play the game, it's still figures, in which they, they went on to do anyway. Where Skylanders, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it is its one property anyway <laughs> yeah yeah i'll say that my ideal for the lego series going forward would be to kind of bring back lego dimensions as a digital title and you know i'd like to have like one kind of like lego hub software mm-hmm. and each of the lego games that i buy from that point forward would be kind of like these smaller expansions onto that title that you know entitle me to additional characters and you know i get the story the lego star wars story that i get to go through but then i could take my lego star wars characters and bring them into my lego harry potter world and you know let them all kind of play together and like that feels like a really exciting and the fact that like they were doing these kind of like you know maybe it was it feels higher risk to me to to publish physical toys and to send those out to stores but like they were treating it like very low risk things. And so they were able to do things like Beetlejuice and like, I would love to see some more kind of obscure or unexpected properties. You know, they don't all have to be mega blockbusters like star Wars and stuff. You know, I'd love to see it. Let's get like, it's a mad, 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 mad world or Mr. Bean or something weird and unexpected like that. And I feel like if they did a digital Lego dimensions, then that would be possible. Um, so I, I kind of hope that they kind of consider going back to this model going forward, but maybe just kind of excising the toys to life portion of it. Um, but anyways, we spent enough time yeah, on sure. Lego Dimensions. A very interesting diversion from the main series. Next, Lego Marvel's Avengers in 2016. I don't really have much to say about this one. This is based on the Avengers movies, and I found it to be rather boring. Yeah, I did. I I agree with uh, Leah's point earlier that this probably did best by using the the audio clipped from the films. 
but this was kind of the the mm-hmm. one that broke me on wanting to watch Lego's recreations of those scenes again. I was just like, no, after this, yeah. no. I, so Force Awakens, Ninjago movie, um, Lego movie 2, Incredibles, just nothing could tempt me back after this one. And Marvel's Avengers should have been the one where I was like, yeah, I'm all in on this. And played it and just kind of was like, yeah, that, that was a game. That sure was those stories. It was just a very straightforward, yeah. yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Just kind of passionless, like they, I'd here, say. Here is this movie, but we did Lego, and that was kind of it. Like, it just didn't have the charm, I think. I loved Lego Marvel, so I was really disappointed that this one really didn't add anything to the to the formula. Yeah, yeah. Lego Star Wars, The Force Awakens in 2016. I finally got a Star Wars game so that, I, that I clicked <laughs> with. This one introduced multi-builds, which are, you know, you have the little piles of bricks that you can... Uh, assemble into uh, machinery or whatever and this one you can often choose between like two or three different things that you can build it into and you would oftentimes have to do them in the correct sequence you build it into one thing go and punch it to destroy it to return it to its raw components to build it into the next thing that you need in sequence there's oftentimes not really like enough uh enough like indication of what you want it to be in what sequence first because they're oftentimes using this kind of like monkey island moon logic to solve the problems you know if do i want a giant water bottle or do i want a you know a giant airplane and it's like well you just kind of have to find out through trial and error like how the cute little animations play out but you know between just two or three choices it's not really a big big problem it was just kind of a cute addition it also introduced a cover system for its third-person shooting, which will be uh, further explored in the Skywalker saga as that comes out at some point in the future, unspecified. Uh, Lego Worlds in 2017 was a bit of a departure as well. This one released on Steam Early Access back in 2015, and it's a Minecraft competitor. It is kind of big procedural open worlds that are um, designated into different biomes that are kind of based around more kind of characteristic biomes rather than like, I mean, they do still have the forests and deserts and stuff, but you'd also get kind of like a fairy desert or a fairy forest and a vampire, a vampire mountain and stuff like that, where you, it felt a little bit more like you were playing with multiple Lego sets and you could build things freely here, like in Lego Creator a long time ago. But again, like going back to that one, like the assembly of things give you more freedom than Minecraft because you have all sorts of differently shaped blocks. And so you could create some really compelling stuff, but it was always uh, it was always just a little bit cumbersome to navigate through the menus and it just ended up making everything a bit slow. So if you were really dedicated to this and you really loved it, there's a lot to get from like a world. But um, but yeah, it's a bit bit slow for my tastes. I do like that you you list it as a Minecraft competitor, and I sort of think, yeah, and it showed Minecraft. Minecraft was never heard from again after Lego Worlds came out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we kind of saw who came ahead in that one. (laughs) Lego Ninjago movie video game uh, in 2017. Uh, Feels like another game that was built in a different engine, like Lego City Undercover and the Lego Movie. It adds more kind of in-depth combat elements uh, and an upgradable skill tree for each of the main characters and um, characters unlocked randomly through kind of loot box systems rather than unlocking specific characters for specific levels. I I don't know. It, it played clips from the movie in between the levels. I hadn't seen the movie. And so some of the clips were pretty amusing. But uh, yeah, I had no real attachment to the characters. I found this one to be pretty forgettable overall. I, I wouldn't go out of your way I, to I, to play this I one. I quite like the combat. 
I must because okay. because it is yeah sure yeah absolutely yeah it's it's a big st- because there is so much brawling in so many Lego games the fact that it had that kind of more interesting combat engine I pl- I played this through in co-op with my daughter so maybe I got a slightly different feeling from it but we had good fun just because it was completely over the top at all times it you know it <laughs> it knows nothing about subtlety at all this game and and as does the movie so I had seen the movie and I think you know maybe you had some more of a connection to it but after kind of missing a few of these games thereafter from playing Dimensions that was the first one I jumped back in I thought oh wow they've really updated the combat engine probably because it was very different from other ones that have come before and then thereafter so um, but I yeah I, I have a connection to it but I think that's probably more down to a me connection next in 2017 Lego Marvel Super Heroes 2 which uh, is a uh, very good lego game i would say um there's a good variety of characters although unfortunately it lacks all of the fox properties uh fox owned at least cinematic properties like the x-men and the fantastic four because this was the time at which disney was starting to kind of put the squeeze on fox and trying to embargo its the properties that it owned the cinematic licenses to so you know a lot of a lot of games suffered for this squabbling between parents uh marvel versus capcom infinite was uh sorely missing a lot of mainstays from the fantastic four and x-men lineups and uh yeah this game kind of got the got the the bad side of that as well unfortunately uh and then a lot of uh focus on the mcu relevant characters so tons of guardians of the galaxy in this one um they got a lot of screen time and um so you know, it, I will say that I did I did enjoy the the Guardians of the Galaxy stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I thought I thought that was pretty well done. I I missed the the X Men, but uh, yeah, that that was okay. It was I definitely thought. good. It yeah. just it felt like I don't like to be able to see behind the curtain quite as clearly <laughs> as yeah. I could hear. Yeah, like the fact that this true. was just like a commercial for the MCU. <laughs> no, that was very much a direction in, and it was one of those where, yeah, we'll still make X-Men and Fantastic Four comics, but anything outside of that, we are not going to promote characters that we don't have in our films. And it's just like, it, yeah, it's completely transparent, especially when the characters that are brought in to make up for that are all ones that are in the, in the films. And that's mm-hmm. fine. I like the Mar- Marvel films. I'm a huge fan of those, but it really does feel like it hobbles your character roster when X-Men and Fantastic Four characters are not in those games. So not that long after this, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 came out and it was just like, oh, th- this is how you do a Marvel video game. You just put those characters in. You just do <laughs> because it feels like they are missing. They aren't obvious. It's like there's a. you may as well leave a third of the character mm-hmm. uh, roster blank and just say, yeah, we know they're not here. It's it's so <laughs> transparent. And and the worlds that they have in this, the, the different environments, like going to Asgard and stuff, are so cool. Um, there's This game like is a visual feast. And to not have some of the most colorful, in, visually engaging characters uh, is, is just a big miss for me. Yeah. Yeah. Good humor in this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, really, the DLC was quite good. Thanos was kind of my go-to character. He had a lot of really useful powers, but uh, yeah, I'd still recommend this one, but I don't think it hit me quite as hard as the first Lego Marvel superheroes. Next one was 2018's Lego The Incredibles, another TT Fusion production. So again, kind of feels different than a lot of the other Lego games. 
Um, you can create custom heroes in Edna's house, which makes a lot of the skill gating stuff in the open world a little bit of a non-issue <laughs> because you could just make somebody with All most of the, of the skills, powers yeah. that you'll end up needing. Um, and so you can just kind of unlock most of the stuff in the open world right from the very beginning. Um, also incorporates a lot of uh, a lot of cameos and stuff from uh, characters from other Pixar movies, which you know brings me back to like my ultimate desire for the series would be like a Lego Disney, just like go through the history of the Disney animated movies oh, and yeah. let me play as, you know, Snow White and Cinderella and Simba and all these characters and all of each other's movies. That'd be so much fun. But uh, this is about as close as I think we're going to get to like a Lego Pixar. You know, you didn't get like Red, levels based let on... Let me tell you about a little game called mm-hmm. Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> <laughs> See? <Fair enough>. All right. <laughs> I would uh, say Disney yeah, Infinity well, too, hey, but I, that went out of the world and then we'll be set. <laughs> Well, going on to 2018 with Lego DC Supervillains, I feel like this is a really strong contender for a good hop-on point for people who have either kind of fallen away from the series and want to get into what the modern Lego games feel like, or people who are kind of new to the series in general. Like This one has a really good mix of characters. You start with a lot of characters that have, um, because it's DC, they have a lot more characters that don't have like big over-the-top powers and you start off with a lot of those kind of normal humans that are just kind of in wacky get-ups like the harley quinn and the penguin and um and and it does a good job of kind of elevating the stakes as you go it's a kind of original storyline and you actually create a custom villain that you get to power up as you go through the game and that she kind of stands in on all of the cutscenes, and it's kind of a core integral part of the story. Uh, the first time they've really put that much of a focus on a custom character. Um, so it's a, it's a really fun one. I'd, I'd recommend people get into it. It also abandoned dynamic split screen in favor of a static vertical split, which is a bit unfortunate as far as I'm concerned, but maybe they just found that it wasn't working the same way that they wanted to anymore. Yeah, I I said to you, uh, Ryan, I was trying to kind of split these games into like different technological eras where Mm -hmm. they like added voice acting and and added in a a open hub world. Adding in dynamic split screen was absolutely one of the early technological advances. And the difficulty with splitting Mm -hmm. it into kind of different eras is this is kind of the big one, but there's other aspects where they added in a, a game mechanic and then it just didn't appear anywhere else. The d- split between TT Fusion and TT Games yeah. absolutely uh, exacerbates that. But this one is, yeah, going back, it feels like going backwards. There must be a reason why they decided to do this. There must be either a difficulty with the dynamic split screen or just maybe it, maybe they found that, I don't know, it never bothered me, but I could imagine a situation where people were confused. Yeah, disorienting or yeah, whatever. Yeah, because it's not a, a consistent split on the screen. Uh, but yeah, this is a big step back for me. If you have PlayStation Plus, this was recently on oh, PlayStation right. Plus, yeah. which happened immediately after I bought <laughs> it. So um, lucky me, but uh, you may already well, have this Thank you for being the one to make the sacrifice. It, it always takes somebody reasonably buying it for it to go onto PlayStation Plus. <laughs> of course, so yes. Someone has to be the uh, sacrificial I, I will say goat. that I did not, it was not overly expensive. Oftentimes you can yeah. find some of these games. Some of them are more difficult to find, but oftentimes you can find them on pretty good sales. They'll so, regularly uh, be $5 like within yes. a couple of years. So, so I did not spend a whole lot on it, yep. but it was just kind of like that little kick, like, oh, oh, well, I could have waited two weeks. 2019 brought us the Lego Movie 2 video game based on the second Lego movie. Uh, again, a different feeling engine. Um, the main story progression is uh, usually, is actually like 
a lot of the time via interactions that you would have in the open world and completing optional side quests along the way that kind of help you reach thresholds to get to the next big open world segment that you can do more side quests in. It's less of those kind of corridor, tightly scripted seg segments that you would see in the other Lego games. So it, it does play a bit differently. This one does incorporate a lot of free building and a lot of uh, kind of creative ways to solve problems. It's entertaining, but I wouldn't say that it's essential by any stretch. Yeah, I don't know. It, it kind of depends on how much you like the structured play of the typical Lego game versus something a little bit less structured and a little bit more open-ended. And then finally, we're not able to really even talk about this one. Announced at E3 2019, it is 2022 as of the time of recording, Lego Star Wars The Skywalker Saga is supposed to be a Lego game that incorporates all of the Star Wars movies, which I can only presume includes the holiday special, <laughs> into one giant Lego Star Wars game. And uh, it looks really impressive yeah. from the uh, trailers that they've shown off, but it has been delayed numerous times. And as of right now, in early 2022, we still don't have a release date for it. It may It's, it's supposed to release in sometime in early 2022, but it may get pushed back even further than it already has. It's been kind of a ghost for the past, what, like two, three years. It's so bizarre, isn't it? It's so weird. Like, I have to imagine this was a game that, uh, uh, like, based on the, the rate of at which game, Lego games came out before then, it should have mm -hmm. been either 2019 2000, or early 2020, this game should have come out. Yeah. And yet they've taken an extra two years over it. And that's not a criticism. It's just, it's notable. But what it also means is, if I go to play this, I should expect to see three years worth of development mm -hmm. on this game whereas every other game if it was an iteration or only you know very slightly different from previous games that's fine because they came so thick and fast i expected that but in this case i think i can't imagine that tt games aren't feeling a weight of expectation for this because it's been talked <laughs> up and it looks different and it looks like they're trying new things and you know there's there's going to be extra mechanics and you know uh, dog fighting and stuff like that and and that kind of thing that that feels like a lot to live up to three years extra worth of time to spend on this game and pandemic and everything else. But it just feels weird to have gone this far, this long without a leg. But I, I think it's on a new engine, isn't it? I think they're talking about having to, to change up. I mean, from, from my own point of view, and, you know, maybe this is rapper, but, you know, I've, I've fallen off the Lego games because they did that feeling of like, well, it's just the yep. same again. And I do wonder whether the last few Lego games have sold, you know, they were dropping down not selling the way that they should well that they feel like they should be i mean warner brother games in particular have seem seem to have just disappeared off the planet with their releases i mean it's not just tt they're still doing mortal kombat know, and stuff like that been, but even then slow... we should have had the next it would have been injustice 3 we should have had you know they were on a two-year mm -hmm. cycle for a mm -hmm. for a, a mortal kombat injustice mortal kombat injustice and we didn't get that again pandemic but yeah tony i, I agree there is this kind of hole here from that point this is the game I've been looking to jump back into Lego, uh, the, the Lego games. So it, the, there is an expectation there because they have talked up about it. I've, you know, yeah. The stuff they've shown does look mm. differently enough that I'm like, okay, let's see where we are in 2020, <laughs> hopefully too. So, yeah. you know, hope for, for them, for the series, I hope it is, you know, it is, um, it's a, it's a, a chunk of content to chew, chew off, right? I mean, all the, all the Star Wars saga, it's, 
It's a big. It's also ambition. a weird one as well because I guess WB Games, their biggest showcases for the past two years during the pandemic have been the uh, DC Fandom. Lego Star Wars Skywalker Saga does not fit there. It's not a DC property. You can't even tangentially mm-hmm. pull, pull it in, in in a way that obviously the likes of Gotham Knights and Suicide Squad can show there. So it makes sense that we would have heard less from it. But yeah, it does feel like there should be an E3 announcement and it's coming out at the end of this year, really, it feels like. But that said, that's not to put pressure on developers as <laughs> if I could. Obviously take their time and it's great that they have the time to do this and not feel pressured to put a game out during a pandemic but it does make me feel like oh you know maybe i'm not that enthused by playing the skywalker saga through because like half of it i don't really enjoy that much um or have already seen done before but i'm intrigued by what this could be because it feels like it should be something quite different yeah i'm really looking forward to this but we really can't say that much about it until we get it in our hands. So um, yeah, maybe uh, maybe in another few years when there's another 30 Lego games to talk about, then we can cycle back for another issue. <laughs> well, maybe we can on, just, uh, yeah, here. we're at that point now, we can just cover one Lego game if it comes out. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> now that we've caught up, right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so we, we have some lovely community correspondence, but unfortunately we're running really long. And so I think I'm going to uh, encourage people to hop on over to our Canaan Rinse dot com slash forum to read what people have said about the various Lego games. Uh, a lot of people who have um, who have pointed out that uh, Lego Star Wars was something that hit them at the right time during their childhood and have really kind of carried on loving these games up until uh, up until kind of recent years, or who have a lot of fond memories of playing in co op with siblings and with friends. And uh, I think that's that's what it's all about. That's the kind of magic of it. And so lots of good correspondences there, but you'll have to do that legwork yourself, unfortunately, just due to time. But we do have time for some three-word reviews. Uh, let's, uh, let's start with Leah. R. Michelle says, perfect beginner's game. Kurt Lewin says, simple but fun. Spencer Saunders says, positive noises pointing. Ruben Cornell says, just one episode. Tales from the Backlog says, just good fun. James Bait MCCT, tenuous license levels. Alex79UK says, not child friendly. <laughs> uh, Samant Smith says, Lego Dimensions rules. Dan Ormisher says, inane, tedious drudgery. MD Crybuffs, uh, barefoot friendly experience <laughs> okay <laughs> there's a story there i wish to know but you know <laughs> you're not at risk of stepping on anything for sure oh, right. with, uh, with these digital experiences okay. <laughs> uh cats and cucumbers says adequate co-op and finally porg of prophecy says highly accessible fun let's give our summaries for yeah, almost 20 years of Lego <laughs> games. Let's start with Leah. <laughs> All right. Uh yeah, I so I've I've enjoyed the Lego games that I've played. Um I don't think that I necessarily hold them in as high regard as some people do. Um I think that they are they they tend to be a lot better than many licensed games um which are kind of notorious or can be kind of notorious for low quality and I don't think this is that. I think these are pretty high quality. It's just that they are often pretty standard like you know what you're gonna get and that's that's a good thing and a bad thing uh it just depends on what you're looking for i enjoy these as kind of a a relatively straightforward guided experience i never really got into uh, as i've mentioned the um kind of collecting aspect to to any great extent 
So I don't know, maybe it would be different if I had. But um, as of as of now, I think that they are perfectly competent. I recommend them um, if especially if um, you have maybe kids or um, partners who or friends who uh, are not as game literate, maybe this is something that's really easy to get into fun for as long as they last. And I think there's definitely a place in my gaming experience for that. And there probably will be for a lot of other people as well. Excellent. Tony, how about you? I've loved plenty of Lego games, but I've, I've never, you know, they, they, ne- they never seem to kind of go into the, my top 10 of the year kind of batch, but I've had so much fun playing certain. And I think a lot of it's got to do with the way that they handle IP. I think it's both a blessing and a curse for me because it seems like, Lego has cornered all the kind of modern day IP away from, you know, these standard video games and turned them into Lego games. Mm. And that that's a blessing and a curse because there is one thing which you always get from a Lego game, which is high quality. You just, you know, you, you know, there's some respect towards the IP and they're always fun just to play through. And I've had, you know, a lot of fun playing through with my wife, a lot of fun playing through with my children. And they're definitely a part of that kind of gaming you know, culture literature now, like, I'm, you know, everyone has played probably a Lego game in their life. And yeah, I, I've i always enjoyed the series, but I, yeah, it doesn't quite go in the upper echelon of, man, new Lego game, I must play. Um, but there are so many that it's hard to, you know, just going through this, it's, it's hard to kind of play every single one unless you're, <laughs> unless you're Ryan, apparently. But um, <laughs> um, no, I, I feel like if you haven't played a Lego game yet, you've probably yeah missed out on kind of gaming culture of some kind because they they are they are very good. And if you haven't, yeah, check out my my personal favourite is the Harry, yeah, Harry Potter Years One to Four and Pirates of the Caribbean. That's they're, they're my two kind of stand out, but they're quite mm-hmm. early games in the series. And I do feel like talking through this, there's a few that I do, probably do need to jump on and and play that where they've kind of advanced controls and advanced kind of some of the most yeah interesting storytelling elements but yeah it, it is it was fascinating to sit down and listen to to the history give my own uh my own wrap up here having played all of the yeah. games that we've talked about today i will say that like i don't none of these are like really revolutionary games for me i think like the most exciting thing for me is to be able to play as the new characters and kind of learn about some of the obscure characters around the edges of each IP. Like it just feels like there's so much depth and so much love that's kind of poured into, into each of these. Uh, I think having kind of a really simple, really flexible framework that the team has to work with allows them to, to kind of paint any coat, any color over it. You know, they can really, it really, because it's so open-ended, it really applies to any, property that they want to apply it to and that's really cool that's a really fun place to be as a uh, game designer i'd imagine like to have something that um that you could really you know effectively you know plug anything into we saw that in lego dimensions so many properties i would have never expected to have video game adaptations are now you know playable on modern hardware like that's kind of cool these are for me just kind of comfort games more than anything else. And I, I do, I, I play through more of them than I probably need to because I'm curious as to like how they develop and change over time. And as kind of a long-term study, that's interesting to me. But uh, yeah, essentially like they are just so nice to just like kick back and just have like a podcast playing in the background or even like watching a movie on a second screen. Like they're very kind of low 
low engagement type of games. Like they're not very demanding, but they're just very comfortable. And um, and I'm really glad that I've spent the time to kind of go through the series and kind of see the studio grow and try new things and learn from their mistakes and implement new kind of experimental features. And um, that's just, uh, it's very fun. It's like, it's like watching a child grow up. <laughs> and I'm, I'm curious to see where they go in the future with the Skywalker saga. And once that giant project is off of their plates, um, I, I hope that they dedicate more time to kind of like a wider variety of smaller projects. And my ultimate hope is that they do revisit dimensions and they come together with a digital platform that can do a lot of the fun stuff that dimensions was doing, integrating IP together and allowing for kind of smaller incremental purchases along the way without the major expense of the toys to life that doesn't fit as well in today's market. So yeah, I want to see more kind of like more interesting experiments from the Lego team and uh, I, I guess I'll just uh, stick with them. And I hope that I'm that I'll continue to be surprised by what they do in the future. James, how about you? Why don't you take us out? Uh, yeah, I, I completely, obviously agree with uh, the points that you've all all made. I think I think not iterating massively on the kind of mechanical side of things, it being quite a, a slow evolution, uh, kind of from one game to the next. I think that means that. What you can say is if you haven't played a game ever or in years, or if you play games a lot, you are going to be able to pick up and play a Lego game to some degree. And uh, even if you don't get much from the mechanics, because they're quite uh, simplistic in many ways, you can play in co-op and have quite a lot of, of fun. Um, and where actually I I really do respect uh tt games and the lego series is the way that they've evolved the way they want the the style of storytelling and the style of narrative they put into their games you know we talked about uh adding in uh voice acting and voice clips and we talked about going from uh retelling known stories to to telling new stories uh with with known characters and worlds to telling original stories. Those feel fundamentally different to me, and I have a preference for the new stories with existing uh, characters and worlds, but I can enjoy something different about those other experiences as well. And so the fact that I might dip out of the series from time to time because a particular set of characters or or a particular game doesn't appeal to me there's always going to be a chance that i'm going to want to come back and for uh, skywalker saga that might be because i expect there's quite a lot of change to be had and quite a lot new to see in the game the one thing that uh, if i was to say has been missing from this series for me is they do a great job of giving us the aesthetic of lego and the sounds of lego and the, the look of it but what they, they don't often do is uh, bring much of the building in. There's been a couple of games that we've mentioned where they've brought in aspects of mm-hmm. building. But the actual picking a brick up and sticking it to another and building something completely new just hasn't been tackled that much in this series. Um, and something like Lego Builder's Journey... Uh, which is a more Monument Valley-style isometric puzzle game, does actually allow you to pick up and place individual bricks. And that I really like the tactility of that. So if there was something from the future I would hope for, it's that they can get across some of the tactility of building that isn't just hold down a button and watch the the character on screen build something, but actually allowing you to. I don't know if we'll get that from Skywalker Saga, but what it says to me is I keep looking for more from these games and TT games keep 
meeting that expectation and keep giving me more. So that is just great from a franchise that has had this many games in this relatively short a period of time, really. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic series, I think. That's I think that'll do it for today. <laughs> That's enough Lego discussion for one lifetime, <laughs> I imagine. Um, it remains for me, Ryan, to thank James, Tony, and Leah, as well as our community correspondents. Uh, next time, join us again in issue 503 for Contra Spirits. Funny story, I forgot how much of a big fat mess you are. I've been busy doing science, it's been tons of fun so far. Everything clean, nothing on fire, all by myself, finally. you wouldn't